Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the two witnesses as we pick up in Revelation chapter 11, verse 6. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. We know for certainty the identity of one of the witnesses to be Elijah. The identity of the other witness is not so certain. There are different Bible teachers who take different views. There are some who are certain it's going to be Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. The fact that Moses appeared with Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration seems like they are buddies and uh, they're working together. The fact that they turned the water to blood, one of the plagues that were brought upon Egypt by Moses, and it then refers to the fact they have the power to strike the earth with the plagues as often as they wish, points to Moses. Others believe it, was, it will be Enoch who did not die but was translated directly into heaven. For it is appointed unto man once to die, and in the Old Testament two men missed their appointments, Enoch and Elijah. And so uh, they come in order that they might make their appointment with death. Because we are told here that after they have prophesied for three and a half years, then the beast, the Antichrist, has power to put them to death. So they finally make their appointment a little late, but yet they make that appointment with death. So uh, there is good arguments. There are good arguments for either Enoch or Moses. I really don't know. It doesn't really matter. Now, when they shall have finished their testimony... The beast that ascends out of the abuso, the bottomless pit, will make war against them and will overcome them and kill them. He cannot until they have finished their testimony. They have a allotted time, 1,360 days, and, or 1,260 days, and they're allotted time to, to witness. And once they have finished that, then he has power, but he hasn't power until they have finished their testimony. In a sense, I believe that God has control of our lives when we commit them to him, and he has a special task for us to fulfill, and that he will preserve us until that task is finished. There are a lot of times when a person has a very narrow brush with death. When you're in an accident and, and you really should have been wiped out, there's no, there's no, you look at the whole thing, you say, you know, there's no way you could have come through that, but yet you have. The person says, hey, God's not through with you yet, man. <laughs> and, and I believe that that is true. I believe that there is a, a divine 
protection upon us as we serve the Lord that's going to sustain us until God is through with us. But I think that as soon as we have finished our testimony, then the Lord's going to take us to be with him. Why would he leave us here any longer? So when they had finished their testimony, God has a task for each of us. Paul said, I have not yet apprehended that for which I was apprehended of Jesus Christ. Recognizing that when the Lord apprehended him, the Lord had a special ministry in mind. In fact, the Lord even showed Paul the things that he was to accomplish and suffer for his glory. And several times they tried to kill Paul. Once they stoned him and really thought he was dead, they drug him out of town, and for all anybody knows, he was dead. Paul himself didn't even know. There was a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Whether or not I had an out-of-the-body experience, hey, I really don't know, but I do know I was caught up to heaven, spent a little time up there in the third heaven, heard things that were so glorious I, I couldn't really try to describe them. It would be a crime to do so. And because of the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, there was also given to me this thorn in the flesh, the minister of Satan above me, lest I be exalted above measure because of the abundance of revelations. So they, they thought that they had done him in. His friends thought that he was dead. They were standing around all morning, and Paul suddenly shook himself, stood up, said, let's go back into town and preach some more. <laughs> You gotta be kidding, man. They just stoned you. But God wasn't finished with him yet. And so God preserved him. God preserves us until we have finished our testimony. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit, we'll get that when we get to the 17th chapter, makes war against them, overcomes them, kills them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, Jerusalem, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So he identifies it as Jerusalem. And they of the people and the families and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not allow their dead bodies to be put in graves. How can the whole world see them? You say, simple, satellite TV, right. How could the whole world have seen them? Couldn't. You see, this particular prophecy could not be fulfilled until they put up the satellite by which now they can transmit directly from Jerusalem live broadcast to the United States. And you can sit in your living room and watch events live that are happening in Jerusalem. So CBS, NBC, ABC will send their reporters. I'm sure they'll still be around <laughs> for the most part. And they'll go over to cover this remarkable event, these two men who have brought such consternation, these men who had such miraculous powers, these men who had created such a problem, really, to the earth in stopping the rain and calling down fire and things of this nature. And they'll go over to, with their crews, 
The camera crews will be over there. They'll be filming these guys, and the whole world will see their bodies lying there in the streets. You see, the people will have been so incensed against them because of the plagues and all that they brought that they, they won't even allow them a decent burial. They're just going to let their bodies lie there in the streets. And, and they'll come by and spit on them and kick them and, and, and just do disgraceful things. And they that dwell upon the earth will rejoice over them. They'll make merry. They'll send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt upon the earth. And so it'll be the great worldwide celebration, partying and all. You know, these two guys had created the problems and now they're dead and, and the Antichrist becomes a tremendous hero in the eyes of the people of the earth. But after three and a half days, the spirit of life from God enters into them and they stand on their feet and a great fear falls upon those which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come on up. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Imagine the camera crews <laughs> and their amazement when suddenly these guys stand up and ascend down up into heaven. In the same hour, there's a tremendous earthquake. You remember when Jesus was crucified, there was an earthquake. A tenth part of the city of Jerusalem will fall. There will be slain 7,000 men. We don't know how many women and children in this earthquake. And the remnant of the people are frightened and they gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe comes quickly. And when the seventh angel sounded, now we come back to the story again. We've been dealing with the seven trumpets and the judgments that ensued at the sounding of these trumpets. And now we come back again to the trumpets. And the seventh angel sounded. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The judgments are coming in order to prepare the earth for the return of Jesus Christ and the establishing of his kingdom. So as the seventh trumpet is sounded, the proclamation of his reign and of his kingdom, and with this proclamation, the 24 elders, which sit before the throne of God on their thrones, fall on their faces, and they worship God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and reign. Finally, the waiting is over. We are there giving glory to the Lord because the time for his reign has come. And the nations, we are rejoicing, we're giving thanks, but the nations were angry. And thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should give a reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints and those that fear thy name, small and great. 
and should destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. The earthly temple or tabernacle was just the model of that which is in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his covenant, the ark of which Moses built the model here on earth. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Now as we go into chapter 12, we are digressing from the progression of the story again, which will be taken up when we come to the seven vials of judgment that will be poured out. So now we are taking a broader view of some other scenes. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and under her feet and upon her head, uh, the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. The identity of the woman is found in Genesis as we read of the dream of Joseph, how the sun and moon and the 12 stars bowed down, or 11 stars bowed down to him. And so the same figure here, we have the identity of the woman is the nation of Israel, those 12 tribes that came out of Jacob. She being great with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. So she was ready to give birth to the child. You see, the purposes of God for the nation of Israel was that they were to bring the Messiah into the world. He was to be of the seed of Abraham and of the seed of David. And so God was working with this nation, preparing them as the instrument, the nation by which his son would come into the world. God had to choose some nation. So he chose the nation of Israel. And that's where they are, the chosen people. Chosen for what? Chosen to be the instrument, the people, through which God would bring his son into the world. Now, the tragic thing is that when God used them for this purpose, then they rejected his son that he sent. But they had rejected the prophets before they rejected his son. In fact, Jesus got them quite angry one time with a parable that he gave of a certain man who went away to a far country and left his fields in charge of his servants. And he sent back a servant that he might collect the fruit from the field. But they beat the servant, mistreated him. So he sent other servants. They beat them, mistreated them. He said, I will send my own son Surely they will respect him. And when they saw his son coming, they said, hey, here's the heir. Let's kill him. He said, what will the master do when he comes? And he said, oh, he'll utterly wipe them out. And the Lord said, that's right. But it was a parable really against the Jews who had persecuted the prophets. Which of the prophets have you not slain? Have you not persecuted, Stephen said. And so... God chose this nation to bring forth the Messiah. Now, the nation is travailing, being with child, 
painting to be delivered. Now there appeared a second wonder in heaven, another wonder. And behold, a great red dragon, Satan, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and he cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. So the two wonders, the woman Israel ready to bring forth the Messiah, the Christ, Satan ready to destroy it as soon as it was born. You remember Herod, when the wise men came to him and inquired where the king was to be born. Herod inquired of the prophets or of the, of the Bible teachers. They said, Bethlehem. And so Herod directed them to Bethlehem. But he said, when you have found the child, come back and tell me about it so I can come and worship him also. Well, Herod was paranoid. He was fearful that someone was going to take his throne. He, he killed his wife. He killed his sons. In fact, they, they used to say, it's safer to be Herod's pig than it is to be his son. <laughs> he, he was always, he was paranoid. He felt people were plotting, trying to, trying to take his throne. And so when he heard that the king had been born, he was threatened. And so he asked the wise men, come back and tell me. But he was intending to go and kill the child. And when the wise men didn't come back, he then ordered that all of the baby boys in Bethlehem area be killed, two years and under. The dragon there, ready to devour the child as soon as it was born. Now, here an interesting thing was Satan. The stars of heaven are, the stars are often, angels are often referred to as stars. And this would indicate that when Satan rebelled, a third of the angels rebelled with him. That is why I believe that there were probably three angels created in the highest order of angelic being called the archangels. They were of the cherubim class of angels, but three special, and that was Gabriel, Lucifer, and Michael, and that they each probably had under their authority a third of the angelic host. And those that were under Lucifer's authority, when he rebelled against God, joined in his rebellion. With his tail, he drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Now, when this happened, we don't know. Where in prehistory this took place, we don't know. Before the world existed, no doubt, this rebellion took place of these angels. Prior to his rebellion, Satan was a perfect model. Ezekiel said he was perfect in wisdom, perfect in beauty, perfect in all of his ways until the day that iniquity was found in him, Ezekiel 28. Isaiah 14 tells us that pride filled his heart. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. I will sit in the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I'll be like God. And yet art thou cast down. 
There will be a time when you will actually see Satan one day and you'll be amazed. You'll say, is that the critter that caused us so much trouble? <laughs> Isaiah 14 tells us that. So there appeared this other wonder in heaven, this red dragon, the seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. We are reminded of the descriptions of the Antichrist, who is the embodiment of Satan, his tail drawing a third part of the stars. She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. When Jesus comes to establish his reign and kingdom, he'll rule the world with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And that's where he is right now. Jesus has been caught up into heaven. He ascended into heaven. Luke records it in his gospel, as do other gospels. And he is there now, sitting on his throne, waiting for the Father to put all things in subjection unto him. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 11 through 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and strengthen you for this week. May the anointing of God's Holy Spirit rest upon your life. And through His beauty, may your life shine forth. May God cause the fullness of His Spirit to rest upon you. And may your life be a strong testimony and a witness to those around of the grace and the love of our Lord. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Hey, I want to tell you about a biblical counseling ebook by Chuck Smith. It's pretty easy to download and takes only a minute. I can't tell you how grateful I am for something like this. It's a game changer for anyone who needs to counsel or talk with someone on the spot. Like when I'm talking with my friends and a complicated issue comes up, I can do a quick search on my phone and get immediate answers that lead them to God's Word. 
So not only do I get Pastor Chuck's commentary, but I can find out what the Bible says about it. There's seriously so many helpful topics, like dating or self-image, lust, waiting on God, or even what certain religions or cults mean. I could even use this when I have a question myself. To download the Biblical Counseling eBook by Chuck Smith, or to preview a demo, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. To find out more, you can call 1-800-272-9673. 1-800-272-9673.